0: Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Hello, America, and happy Monday. We've got a great show for you. I'm very proud of the lineup we've got today. Over the weekend, House Speaker Mike Johnson made a deal with the Democrats and the White House to set the spending limits for the rest of 2024. It does not make significant cuts to spending. There's a few billion dollars below what Kevin McCarthy originally cut a deal with over with Joe Biden, but it pretty much keeps government at a steady number. Now, again, didn't go up. That's a win for the Republicans, but it doesn't deliver the promise that it was going to cut spending. And the deal doesn't get the rest of the spending bills through like Congress and House Republicans did. We're going to talk to Art Laffer, former economist and advisor to both Presidents Reagan and Donald Trump, one of the most brilliant minds in the economy. What is in this deal? Is it good? Is it bad? What does it mean for the election? What does it mean for the future of the country? Art Laffer, going to put that all into perspective. Then the second part of the show, every day now I see polling data and other signs of just how much the FBI's trust from the American people has declined. And by the way, there are a lot of great FBI agents. I work with them. Some of the stories that I broke over the years have come from FBI agents who had the courage to tell the truth about uncomfortable truths in America. But the disconnect between the leadership and the FBI rank and file is huge right now. And the behavior of many of the FBI's leadership members has frustrated a large percentage of this country. One could argue 50% or more of the country has a great distrust of the FBI right now. And that leads to certain things. And I'll just give you this extraordinary polling data. Something that 30 years ago when I started my journalism career, I don't think I would have ever saw. A quarter of Americans believe the FBI instigated the January 6th attack. That's a Washington Post, University of Maryland poll. That's really remarkable. 34% of Republicans believe the FBI organized and encouraged the attack, the riots. 30% 30% of independents do, just 13% of Democrats. In fact, there's a great disconnect in the confidence of Americans by political party. Republicans don't trust the FBI anymore. Democrats still have decent, but not great Trust. This is a big problem for the FBI up and down, whether it's in execution, whether it's from the January 6 fallout, from the Russia collusion fallout, from the open border, from the counterintelligence threats that we are having a harder time tracing because Afghanistan was exited the way Joe Biden exited, and because of the closing down by the Biden administration of the China Project, which was an FBI counterintelligence program that was rooting out spies from China, embedding in American academia. So the FBI has tougher odds to succeed, a more volatile world to be fending off against threats, and it has a significant lack of trust from a good part of the country, particularly Republicans, but quite frankly, independents and others. Scott Nelson, a retired, decorated former special agent, used to be the deputy assistant director of the FBI. He was an inspector. Also, when you get the rank of inspector, that's one of the highest ranks you can get as an FBI agent. He comes from an era of the FBI where trust was big, where politics was not allowed to exist in investigations the way we saw with Russia collusion, where agents believe they had to comply with the FISA law's requirements. Scott Nelson is going to bring us back to a time when the FBI had a lot more trust and describe how the Bureau has to get back to that trust. How, what are they going to do to get there? Scott Nelson going to lay out that prescription for us today, and I think it's a very, very important prescription. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens. Now, before we get started on the first interview, I want to turn to a story I broke overnight. There are over the course of history in America many important investigations of traumatic moments in American history. Pearl Harbor, 9/11, the 1970s investigations into FBI and CIA abuses. And all of those prior investigations, Ruby Ridge. That's a good one, the tragedy at Ruby Ridge, the tragedy at Waco. In those investigations, Congress put out all the facts, the facts that supported the final conclusions and those that weighed against certain conclusions. There wasn't a hijacking of the facts. The January 6th committee is perhaps the first from a traumatic event. And obviously, January 6th was a traumatic event for the country. Watching the violence that occurred that day, watching the frustration that played out that day, watching the fallout and all the prosecutions of now nearly a thousand people, it clearly was a traumatic day. But the investigation didn't trust the American people to have all the facts. It cherry picked the facts, at least the ones that Democrats did. And now, Congressman Barry Loudermilk and before him, Rodney Davis, well, they've been committed to getting the real facts out. And one of those real facts is a big one. These are, remember one of the conclusions of the report, which often wasn't fully substantiated, but it was made with clear vigor and clear confirmation. The January 6th committee, run by House Democrats, picked by Nancy Pelosi, run by Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, concluded... That President Trump had a plan and an intention to participate personally in the January 6th efforts at the Capitol, meaning he wanted to go to the Capitol and be with those who were attempting to stop the counting of the uh, and certification of the election vote. Now, that is a final conclusion of the report. There is no question from all the Evans assembled that President Trump did have that intent. The report concluded. Well, everybody knows what happens with the president. He travels with the Secret Service. And I've been curious for some time to get my hands on the documents that are the Secret Service plans for that day. And I did today. and I made them public. You can all see them. They're somewhat redacted because there's some very sensitive information in them. But they're predominantly there for you. And what do they show? Well, they show that the Secret Service never had a plan going into January 6th to take the president to the Capitol. Uh, Now, there had been a discussion on January 4th with some presidential aides. That didn't go anywhere. On the morning of January 6th at 530, when the final plan was sent out, the plan was to take the president to the ellipse, give his speech, get him back to the White House. The plan showed that the Secret Service knew there could be some rowdy behavior out there. That's part of the reason they wanted to keep the president's plan tight and crisp and clear. There is an accompanying PowerPoint that shows that There was no plan to take the president to the Capitol. If the president had the intent and a plan, the Secret Service would have to be in on it, and they weren't. Now, it is true the president made some comments according to testimony on January 4th, but he didn't act on them. And during the speech on the ellipse, he suggested maybe he would go to the Capitol. The Secret Service, according to the documents I made public, scrambled. Why? Because I didn't have a plan for him to go to the Capitol. Directly debunks, contradicts, conflicts with Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney's contrived conclusion. And when I say contrived, it's if you were going to make this conclusion, why not let the American people know that the Secret Service didn't have a plan? Why not, if you had the documents, tell the people, well, the Secret Service was kept out of it, so maybe the plan wasn't as clear. Maybe it was just in Donald Trump's head. That's not what they do. They leave this very important information out of much of the report. And so Around 1.30, 1.1.1.30, there is a scramble because the president's made some sort of comment that made the Secret Service think maybe he's going to go to the Capitol. they are scrambling assets to get them to the Capitol because at at that time, the only assets the Secret Service had at the Capitol were with Mike Pence, who was presiding over the certification of the election vote. Obviously, those agents got involved in a little bit of activity because they had to get Pence out of the Senate chamber and to a safer location for a while inside the Capitol. They kind of relocated him for a while and then, of course, brought him back. But- The idea that there was this plan and intent, well, the president of the United States knows he's got to tell the Secret Service what he's going to do. It's not in the plans. And when the president impromptu suggests, well, maybe I'll go to the Capitol, the Secret Service was scrambling because it didn't have the assets there. These are pieces of information that have put into the hands of the American public. They'd be able to make a more informed decision. But Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, Eric Swalwell, that cast of characters, they've never trusted the American people to have all the facts. They want to cherry pick the facts. That's what they did on the Russia collusion case. It's what they did on Ukraine. That's uh, what they did on the letter that claimed that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation when it was not. And once again, tier, you're going to have the facts now because I put them up on justthenews.com. The headline is a very simple headline, but it's important story. Internal Secret Service records undercut another key J6 committee democratic narrative. Go check that story out. Go read the documents. Go see for yourself. Again, listen, you can come to whatever conclusion you want, but you should have all the facts in the January 6th committee, the Jamie Raskins and the Benny Thompsons and the Liz Cheneys and Eric Swalwells. They don't want you to have all the facts. They want you to believe just their narrative. And I think at the end of the day, they create distrust in their narrative by doing things like what we've exposed here today. Go take a look at this story. It's a very important story. The Secret Service participant helped out. Congressman Loudermilk and others helped out. That's why we have more truth today than we had when the report was issued in December, 2022. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Oh, by the way, Max Miller, who was a White House aide at the time, who testified there was no plan. Now he's a member of Congress from Ohio. He's gonna join us tomorrow night on the show. You're gonna enjoy that. He'll react to this and so much more. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Art Laffer, right after these messages. G-O-L-D, GOLD. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. 800-200-4653, GOLD. Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick
1: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As I mentioned at the top of the show, a deal struck over the weekend by House Speaker Mike Johnson with uh, the Senate Republicans and Democrats and the House Democrats setting the spending levels for the rest of 2024. There is some unhappiness, there's some uncertainty, and there are a few people jubilant that a deal is done and there won't be a government closure. I thought I'd bring in one of the greatest economic minds I know to help us referee this and also the state of the economy, which feels pretty shaky. He's advised presidents. For many years including president reagan and president trump and he is known all across the world as a uh, mind of great fiscal sanity joining us right now my good friend art laffer art welcome to the show happy new year
2: the happy new year to you sir what a what a moment
1: we what a moment we find ourselves in Uh, so much economic uncertainty with bidenomics but i want to start with this deal i think those who are hoping the house republicans would get more house would get more budget savings don't seem very satisfied with it those who are hoping to avoid a shutdown and and give some momentum to the 2024 election they seem happy What's your take on uh, what Mike Johnson accomplished over the weekend?
2: Well, I don't mean to be happy or sad either way. You know, this is just a, a precursor of what should happen after the election. I mean, this is not the biggest deal in the world, and uh, it gets us through a shutdown of the government, which I do think is a good idea. And, of course, I always want more government spending reductions. Duh. But, I mean, I think we're fine shape, and we just need to now carry it on into the election and win this election and change the shape of the world. That That's yeah. where I would be. And from now now on until the end of this year to 2024, uh, I think we're going to have a rough time uh, in the economy. And uh, I think that uh, the election will be the determining factor. Uh, if we get the House, the Senate and the presidency, I think that will materially change the shape of America for generations to come. If, in fact, Biden wins and we lose the House and the Senate, uh, you know, I think that'll change the face of the country for a long time as well in a very negative direction
1: yeah there's no doubt the stakes are truly high and uh, the 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 parties couldn't be further apart even you know when you look at Reagan Carter i don't think uh, joe biden and donald trump could be even uh, or even further apart on what the the democratic party believes in today what joe biden is steaming them towards um as you were there when reagan asked that great question are you better off than you were 4 years ago the american public answered resoundingly no and they kicked uh jimmy carter to the curb and in the end the reagan revolution is that the same question that um Donald Trump if he becomes a nominee or whoever the Republican nominee is should be asking uh, from the moment they secure the nomination
2: but well, surely the question I would be asking—I mean, economics is to me everything. I mean, it's the sine qua non of of the entire prosperity and the growth of America. I mean, obviously we wouldn't be in these two wars if President uh, Trump had been president the last years. Right. I mean, but we are—we uh, wouldn't have the bad economy we currently have if pres- if Trump were still president. That we wouldn't. Uh, so all the way across the board, I think economics is the key uh, to uh, to to the growth to the to what's going to happen to the U.S. over. All sorts of areas, but let me correct you on one if I can. I mean, with sure. Jimmy Carter back then, and when we entered office in January twentieth, nineteen eighty one, the highest marginal income tax rate was seventy percent. Yeah, seventy percent, not thirty seven percent. I mean, we you know we cut that rate down from seventy percent to twenty eight percent. We cut the corporate rate down from 46% to 34%. We went, from, uh, we went from 11 tax brackets to 2 tax brackets. I mean, this was transformational under Reagan. And I think if, if Trump gets elected, we could do another major transformation. But Jimmy Carter and the world back then was much worse than, uh, than it is today. Much worse. Biden's really bad. But the yeah. economy back then was much worse under Jimmy Carter.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I, I was uh, clearly the philosophies. Uh, I think Joe Biden's closer to a socialist than even Jimmy Carter was back then. But you're right, the economies aren't quite com- comparable. I want to uh, dive into this issue. Uh, Joe Biden seems to want to make democracy the issue. A democracy's at stake. Most Americans feel like my next paycheck is at stake. Uh, can Joe Biden possibly sell this democracy's uh, in jeopardy, or do you think he really has to get down in? Answer the economic and security questions that everybody. When you talk to the, you know, you're at a dinner party, everybody says the world feels more unstable and the economy feels a lot less well, a I solid.
2: Yeah, you know, people want calm and peace and quiet and safety and security. They want an economy that's humming along without big risks of losing your assets tomorrow. They they want general order brought back into the situation. They don't want wars abroad. They don't want high inflation. They don't want high, I mean, low employment rates. And right now we have a very low employment rate. Now, I know the unemployment rate's low, but there are very few jobs in America and average hours have fallen substantially as well. So we're way below our potential in output. Now, GDP growth is true, John. Grew a little bit, you know, almost 5% last quarter, but no one cares so much about GDP growth as they do the level of GDP, which is way below the trend line that Trump had it on. If you look at interest rates, interest rates have come down recently. That's true, but they're still very much higher than they were when Biden took office. And people look at the level of interest rates, not the rate of change. And the, the same thing is true with prices. I mean, I, yeah. when I go to a store, I pay a price. I don't pay an inflation. And inflation was as high as nine, and it's dropped down now. But that's not the key. The key is have prices risen, and they're very much higher than they were when Biden took office. I think a little over 17% higher. So those are all things that's going to work very much to the detriment of Joe Biden, and he he's got to figure out something to say. And if he goes on this democracy kick, um, you know that's the only thing he's got. He's got to be anti-Trump, and you know. Right. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, um, almost all elections are referenda on the incumbent, and he has yeah. not done a good job. And I think Trump's going to win, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, no, I think, listen, the polling backs you up. You can see it, people. I think people put up with a few mean tweets to get the policies back. I want to talk about the possibility of balancing the budget because right now, at this moment, it seems, oh my God, it seems so impossible. We're $1, $2 trillion, but. Tax revenues last year were basically at the levels of 2019 spending, which means if we just cut our spending back to the pre-pandemic level, we could be balanced in a very short time. I don't think a lot of people would notice the change in um, spending because most of it's been on wasteful things that don't really do anything. Is there a real possibility with a Republican House, Republican Senate, Republican President, you can get the balanced budget pretty quickly?
2: You know, John, I'm not a balanced budget type of person, if if you'll forgive me. I am a person who likes to cut spending. But, you know, when we've had the inflation the way we've had uh, since Biden took office, the real value of the public debt has dropped dramatically. Yeah. I mean, the total value of debt, uh, U.S. debt, has gone down a lot. Now, we are running deficits, but that's partly because of the inflation as well. So I'm not worried about that. I just want to see us bring government spending down and bring tax rates down as well. I don't think the yeah. deficit today is the big issue. It's really spending and tax rates that really are the key to prosperity in the future. So forgive me for not answering your question in yeah. the correct no, way. No. As your people like. But balanced budget is not the way to control government. What you want to control is government spending and you okay. want to control taxes, tax rates, just the way Milton Friedman said long ago. Sometimes when you cut tax rates, John, I'm just going to shock you here. Sometimes when you cut tax rates, you collect more revenue, not less. That's the and you know, Trump tax uh,
1: cuts, right? That happened with the Trump tax Trump cuts. Trump tax it?
2: cuts worked perfectly. The Laffer curve was alive and well. And, you know, government spending is easily brought under control with some prosperity. And uh, I would love to see us do that. And, you know, frankly, if, if Trump were president, we wouldn't have had the Ukrainian war. We wouldn't have. We wouldn't probably have had the, the Middle Eastern war either. And we could have reduced spending a lot. We could have had a strong defense and kept ourselves safe and not had all this budget and turmoil and chaos that's that's been around, which is really what's disturbing people, and especially an old coot like me. I hate chaos. I hate shocks. I hate surprises. I like good, old, steady pablum every single day, you know, and so do most people, and that's not what you've gotten under Biden. You've got chaos. You've got uncertainty. You've got risk. You've got threats. You've got all sorts of insecurities and, and crime, and the border is a classic example of just how how disruptive this administration has been.
1: Yeah, no, that's such a great point. There's another big stake in this election, and that is, I believe, in 2025, m- most of the big Trump tax cuts that brought us to prosperity. By the way, brought tax revenues up by cutting the tax rate. Uh, they, they sure uh, did. They're in, danger of, they're in danger of expiring. That's a really important, because those will be a, an incredible shock on everyday Americans if they go back up.
2: Now, a lot of those tax cuts are not at risk, but there are some that are at risk that are really yeah. important. And, you know, yeah. we've already lost a bunch of the depreciation schedule stuff and that type of things. So, yeah, it would be really nice to be able to refresh and get the the uh, the, the uh, Trump tax bill back into shape and maybe even carry it further for the next uh, 10 years.
1: You think we could cut more, don't you? Uh, there, and that oh, a lot happen. more, a lot more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we should cut the progressivity of the tax codes. We should not tax profitable companies. We should tax we should have a value added like tax with no profits tax. I mean there's no reason why you would tax profitable good companies that make high quality products at low cost and don't use lawyers and accountants and we tax the bejabers out of them and those companies that are p- made crappy products that no one wants at high cost and they hire all sorts of lawyers and lobbyists and stuff we subsidize them that's crazy john what we need is a low rate broad based flat tax on businesses and that's it and and uh, that's where we should be we shouldn't have a profits tax
1: yeah. do you think america is ready for that uh, after all of course it takes it takes way too long to do your taxes right now. It's too confusing.
2: Yeah, It takes way too long, and we shouldn't be the ones doing them. I mean, if we had the flat tax that I did for Jerry Brown when he ran for president right. in 1992, right. if we did that, you wouldn't even have to file a tax return unless you did some side job. I mean, right. and you know – Businesses are really good at collecting taxes. And if you had a if you had a, a net a net business tax, and if you had an income tax, and that's it, the, you never have uh, the need to file even a tax return. What's not wonderful about that? Yeah, I think most people would share that. And Jerry Brown, by the way, came in second in the primary in 1992 right. and would have beaten Bill Clinton if he hadn't named Jesse Jackson as his running mate. I mean, I That's was his right. economist back then, and, you know, we would have cleaned up the cleaned house. It would have been great.
1: Yeah, just think of how different the country oh, well. would have been. Yeah,
2: But That's it will be. It are. will be. Don't be depressed. It will be. No,
1: I agree. I agree with you. I, I'm an optimist, and I see, I see the American too. people ready to make a tip. Last question, when you tie taxes, the other big one that – Joe Biden has ramped up is the extraordinary regular, regulatory fiat, uh, 120 different appliances in our houses now being regulated. Uh, uh, it's just incredible. I mean, they're down to mixers. Uh, there is a real economic shockwave in a positive way if some of these regulations are brought under control, too. Do you, do you think uh, watching Trump and the way he's moving towards the, the nomination, that that will be a high priority as it was back in 2017?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to put words into Donald Trump's mouth. That's not what I do. Uh, and he's good at speaking for himself, and I, I'm just going to leave it there. But I think we should uh, get, put, get rid of all the regulations that uh, Biden has put on energy. We should be producing energy now. We're the best, uh, most efficient, cleanest producers of energy. We should get rid of all those regulations he put in, put the pipeline back in place. We should enforce transparency. Medical care transparency was one of the greatest executive orders oh, I've ever seen. I mean, what he did with war speed was unbelievable i've told everyone the story of my daughter getting metastatic four-stage metastatic melanoma and if it hadn't have been for donald trump johnson uh, you know she wouldn't be alive today he all the research he engendered and all that so you know I, i'm a huge trump fan here and there are so many areas where i think trump could make a huge difference but as to what he's going to do uh i, I think you want to ask him that question not me
1: sure Sure, yeah. No, We just had him on the show. In fact, last week we had a good conversation about it.
2: He's um, a hell of a guy, isn't he? He,
1: he? I'll tell you what, he's so clear on where he stands. And I think people are tired of the mumbo-jumbo. They love clear speakers, which is, I'm going to do this. This is how it is. And on every issue there's a clarity. And I see a lot of parallels. You know, I studied Reagan from, uh, after the 2020 election. I studied Reagan for a while to see how he recovered from the 76 loss to Ford. And his return to policy, his return to the fireside shots, the radio uh, and Trump has done something very similar over the last year. He's substantive. on You can't find an issue that he hasn't thought through and put out there. And I think Americans really appreciate that. There's a lot of substance to what he's running on in 2024. Uh, are there some parallels here with the way Ronald Reagan did it? Uh, between? 77? I think they're close
2: parallels. Yeah. In fact, as I told the president myself, and let me just paraphrase it: I think that in, before the uh, before the uh, before the COVID nineteen thing, I think he was the single best president we've had in the last century. He yeah. did more in the first part of his first term than any other president, including Ronald Reagan. And you know how much I love, 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 love Ronald Reagan. Of so course. he was just amazing on, on that, and uh, you know that I, I think Trump could really make a huge difference to this planet. And when you look at Donald Trump, you know he, he, the one thing I was great. Great about Reagan is Reagan listened and thought through issues at the time, and Trump has that same quality. You talk with him. I was talking with him about transparency. Damned if he didn't within half an hour get Mick Mulvaney and get uh, all of them there and get that executive order (laughs) put in there and done. I mean this is a man who really doesn't have to go through 20 layers of bureaucracy to get an answer. He just gets it done and gets it done correctly the first time.
1: I think you'll get rid of a lot of those bureaucrats that were in the way the first term, too, which will be pretty fun to watch. Uh, Art, it is always an honor to have you on. You are one of the most sage and common sense policymakers we've ever had in our government, in, in our country. I'm so grateful. For Flattery that,
2: will please. get you everywhere, John. Flattery well, will get you everywhere. And really <laughs> this case,
1: it is well earned. All right, well, my pleasure. Good to have you on. Thank, much. You. Thank you. Bye dollars.
0: So All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Scott Nelson, one of the most decorated FBI agents in recent history, a really trusted voice, will come here and tell you what's wrong with the FBI and what needs to be done to fix it. That's a very, very important conversation. Now, before we go to break, I want to welcome one of our... Great partners and sponsors here at Just the News, at John Solomon Reports, at Just the News, No Noise, a television show, Hillsdale College. I've been there. I've spoke there. I've hired people from there. I do a lot of source reporting with them because they have many great experts. Did you know that Victor Davis Hanson has his own online courses at Hillsdale College? I bet you didn't know that. Victor, of course, has his great show on my Podcast Network here, Just the News. Victor Davis Hanson, one of the most brilliant historians and thinkers in American history. Well, he's got an online course at Hillsdale College. You can take an online course with Victor Davis Hanson. How cool is that? I recommend you sign up for American Citizenship and Its Decline with Victor Davis Hanson in this eight-lecture course, VDH. As we like to call him, Victor Davis Hansen explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable administrative state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever you start. Now, start your free course, American Citizenship and its Decline, with Victor Davis Hanson. That's a great deal. Go check it out today. Victor's a great friend, a partner at Just the News, and of course, now, teaching an incredible course with my good friends at Hillsdale College. Here's how you're going to do to get lined up for that. Go do it. It's a great idea. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews, hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash news to get started. One more time, hillsdale.edu, stands for education, hillsdale.edu slash just news. All right, when we come back, you're going to get an education on the FBI from my good friend, Scott Nelson, right after these messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale: four years for just thirty dollars at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC. A-M-A-C justnews That's AMAC. Dot us forward slash
1: All right, folks. Welcome back to the commercial break. We talk about it often on this show, how much the FBI, the premier law enforcement agency in the world, and by the way, it is. Technically, uh, it is absolutely the most uh, uh, impactful law enforcement agency anywhere in the world, but it's lost a lot of confidence in the American people, starting with the Russia collusion case, maybe even before that, but certainly that one and every day since and uh, people are wondering is this a law enforcement agency ready for the future or is it ready rather to be an advertisement in a political campaign our next guest well he worked for the fbi back in its heyday, day when it did things right when it solved cases and it stayed out of politics he's a decorated special agent former deputy assistant director of the fbi a former inspector and today runs a very successful consulting company called srmg joining us right now my good friend Scott Nelson. Scott, happy New Year. Great to have you on the show.
3: Thank you, John. Glad to be with you.
1: You do so much work still in the law enforcement realm with your consulting. You work with the great men and women on the front lines of the FBI. There's a gap, it seems to me, from just my own interactions with the FBI and their agents, a gap between the line agents who just want to go out and do their job, and then the leadership of the agency, which seems to be much more involved in politics and in uh, policy than it is in law enforcement am i misreading the situation
3: john it's interesting the question you ask because there always has been a rub between so-called street agents those are the guys and gals that actually get on the street and get the job done and management or leadership uh many refer to it as the seventh floor that rub however I think has increased in the past, mainly because the FBI has started to vary from their age-old uh, ability to solve cases by uh, allowing field offices and special agents in charge and assistant agents in charge to run investigations, and instead, particularly as it relates to the uh, Russia Gate and, and those things, has. Uh, started to manage investigations from FBI headquarters. Headquarters has always been involved, of course. The director has been involved to a degree. But sure. today, I think one of the problems is uh, centralized management. And, of course, they're in Washington, D.C. They're inside the beltway. I mean, by it's no coincidence that they're on the presidential inauguration route, that big, big building of theirs. So yep. I think the gap has increased in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, it does seem that way to me. And uh, the other thing that's increasing is the distrust among the American people and this great law enforcement agency. The polling really shows it, and it shows it in a partisan divide now. Democrats have a higher favorability rating than Republicans. That has not always been the case. That's a more recent development. What do you think is eroding some of that public trust? And how does the FBI get back to earning that trust and having that engagement with the public that, one, helps them solve crimes, but also creates deterrence in the country?
3: I think the erosion is partially cultural and widespread and it goes to the Department of Defense and the Department of Justice yeah, and the cool. FBI as an agency within that bigger structure. But specifically, the FBI fell victim to uh mismanagement back in uh the the days of the summer riots in two thousand twenty and the senior executives in the FBI that uh, changed FISA regulations uh, that uh, uh, by evidence are are known to have gotten involved in the presidential election. So there actually is evidence of the FBI varying off the straight and narrow. I think getting back, as I recall, during my days in Baltimore and Newark, New Jersey, and uh, those big high crime offices, we had a great deal of trust and confidence from the public. And crime prevention actually requires that trust and confidence. So I think the director of the FBI is responsible for regaining that trust. And I think he can do so by standing up, by speaking up, by being transparent and showing the American public what can be done and how they can do it. Uh, By definition, the FBI is the number one law enforcement agency in the world, by definition, they have the best ability to solve c- crimes and, in fact, keep us safe. But they need to trust and confidence and support of the American people to do so.
1: Yeah, no, it's pretty pretty remarkable. January 6th, uh, Russia collusion was perhaps a, a big erosion point. January 6th is another one. It's really surprising some of these polls. Uh, 25% of Americans say it's probably or definitely true that the FBI instigated the January 6, 2021 attack. There's no idea. I've done a lot of work on January 6. no evidence the FBI instigated. But there are these concerns. And and I think that um, the way that January 6 defendants have been treated, oftentimes rolling out SWAT teams for people that are facing a misdemeanor, uh, it does seem to have eroded uh, some of the trust. Even in that case, is January 6 another place where the FBI has lost confidence in, do they have they earned that lost confidence by perhaps rolling things out in a much more aggressive way than the crimes required?
3: I think the way the FBI investigates and the public way arrests go down, search warrants, for example, a search warrant at Trump's uh, residence in Mar-a-Lago right. was so public and so over the top as to defy logic, and I think in fact that does erode the confidence the American public has in our FBI. If the FBI gets involved in stymieing the free speech of folks at school boards, if they use too much effort to arrest the president, to to defend, rather to search, I think that does erode the trust and confidence. And I think the January 6th public demonstrations have been over the top in terms of investigation. Thousands of folks have been impacted by that. And we've got to measure the First Amendment right to speak up, to stand up, to speak your mind in public against the actual violent threat against property and people. And I think the arrests, the public arrests, and the number of arrests are over the top. And I think the FBI ought to concentrate a little bit more on preventing terrorism and working against the violent criminals in our community.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great prescription. I think Americans would be happy with that. The, the director has been pretty honest about the state of the border and its potential danger to American safety. He's also been pretty honest about the danger that China poses the United States long-term as a strategic threat. Both In both cases, uh, the FBI's job has gotten harder under this president. They, the um, the FBI's very successful China task force, which uh, looked at uh, uh, the way the Chinese used American academia to get into and spy on America. That was disassembled by Joe Biden. And, of course, the border has been significantly made less insecure under Joe Biden. The job for the FBI on two of its biggest missions, right, stopping counterintelligence and counterterrorism. that's so harder under this president. How are the rank and file dealing with that?
3: I think the rank and file have a real interest in following the law and the Constitution, In order to do so, they need tools and they need the support of the FBI director and the support of the Department of Justice. They do not have the support of the Department of Justice. The director needs to be more independent, needs to speak up for the Constitution. For example, our southern border is described as uh, being protected and it's described as being closed. It is not. It is not protected. It is not closed. I live in Southern California. I personally see the impact of of those uh, immigrants coming through the border. We see that almost 200 individuals in the age, the real crime age, and that's between 18 and 26, uh, who are on the terrorist watch list have been uh, arrested. That's not the gotaway. So there is a great number of those who have actually got away the chinese nationals that are coming through this is not just south american individuals it's individuals from all over the country i think this is the single greatest threat to america and to the fbi's ability to prevent terrorism and general violent crime in general the greatest threat that we face is the open southern border
1: yeah man there's no doubt about it every great Law enforcement official I talked to uh, emphasizes that, and you were right over the right over the money with that. Scott, there is a, a big um, dollar figure event ahead for the FBI. They want to have a new headquarters. It's been approved. Looks like it's moving to Maryland. There are even questions about how Maryland got chosen over D.C. and uh, Virginia. Uh, but is this a good moment? Is it a good optic for the FBI while it's struggling with some of these other issues of trust with the American public? Uh, believe that maybe it's become a little too political or a little too beholden to the political appointees of the Justice Department to also ask for and get a, uh, a a new headquarters? Or is there a value in delaying it and tightening up some of these other concerns first?
3: I think there's a value in delaying it. This is a big deal for the FBI agents who work there who live in Virginia yep. from personal perspective. That's why they want it in Virginia. And right. it's obviously very political. For years, many politicians have pushed to have the name J. Edgar Hoover taken off the building. Uh, They think it should be named something else for somebody else. Secondly, that building is huge. It's it's the size that looms over the presidential inauguration route and is a very important piece of real estate. Therefore, it is very, very much a political move. From my perspective, and most of us FBI agents who were working for the Bureau during its heyday, we think the location of headquarters and the composition of headquarters should be based strictly on how the FBI can get the job done best. If it's Maryland, if it's Timbuktu, if it's Virginia, that's not the point. The point is, where can it be most efficient? Where can it be most effective? and how can the Bureau economically and otherwise get the job done for the American people? It's political now, and that's not going to help any of us.
1: Yeah, uh, that is that is a big a big challenge for them. There's no doubt about it. Um of reform, that's the last big issue that Congress is going to deal with with the FBI this year before the election. Uh, they kicked it down the road 90 days, obviously in a, in a moment of great terror threat. I think November, December, early January chatter has been very high in the, on the counterterrorism front. Uh, but at some point, uh, the balance between liberty and uh, uh, fighting terrorism is going to have to be realigned. Uh, where do you think that line is going to be set, and is the FBI prepared to operate in that new world?
3: John, I think that eventually, as as now, they're they're kicking the can down down the road. As you said, uh, they don't want to make a decision. They're concerned about the political. Uh, and social ramifications political being uh what the elect uh, the electors and what the american public how they're going to vote based on this i think the fbi needs to have this particular national defense authorization act surveillance authorization the so-called fisa i think it's absolutely essential right. on the other hand i think the fbi has has diluted the trust that the american people have in their ability to follow the rules and follow the orders in this uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. We saw COINTELPRO many years ago. That That's same right. thing is happening today. So the Bureau's got to prove that they're up to it. They've got to prove that they'll follow the act directly. I think they need it. I think the American public needs it. It's a very essential tool.
1: Yeah, the, the reforms being discussed involve some additional burden for war, warrants when it involves targeting a communication of an American citizen, perhaps a little leeway in, a, in, a, in a, um urgent situation. But on a daily basis, there would be much more court oversight if the Republicans, uh, the plans that the Republicans put forward uh, were to succeed. Um, do you think that will happen? Is that, the, is that a solution that you think will get imposed by Congress? Uh, and if so, can, Repo- uh, can the FBI figure out how to work with that new requirement.
3: Absolutely. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, because I think Congress understands the importance of this tool for the FBI. I think the FBI also understands how important this is. And I think the Republicans and the Democrats both will see the compromise you mentioned as the way forward. Uh, I hope so. Anyway, it would be uh, detrimental to the public safety and security of our country if, in fact, the FBI didn't have this tool. And it would be equally uh, detrimental to the First Amendment and to the protection that we all enjoy under the Constitution if the FBI continued with this and didn't follow the rules and regulations and violated the terms of that particular uh, uh, congressional act.
1: The truth of the matter is that FISA has a lot of great protections in it. They just weren't always being uh, followed, as we saw in um, the Russia collusion case, and quite frankly, and quite the others. But quite frankly, the regular structures, in there they are followed have quite a bit of civil liberty protections. It seems as though uh, though, now maybe new ones are going to be imposed. It will be very interesting to see what that compromise looks like. Scott, you remind us of a time when confidence in the FBI was so much uh, greater, uh, and I hope we can get back to that moment. This country needs uh, a trusted and effective Um, FBI. And I'm I'm looking forward to the moment when maybe some of the dials get adjusted and that trust starts to go again. But until then, your wisdom, all of your analysis is greatly appreciated. Thanks for joining us, Dave.
3: Thank you, John.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Max Miller is going to break down, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the J6 scoop I had today about the Secret Service records and how they undercut a major narrative that the Democrats and Liz Cheney, Nancy Pelosi gave us as part of the investigation. Also, remember my good friend Victor Davis Hanson, he's got an online course at Hillsdale College, where I have a lot of good friends, I recommend you sign up for it. It's called American Citizenship and it's Decline. How do you do that? As I said to you in the block before, go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. Why not do it today? One more time. Hillsdale.edu slash Go Go get this incredible eight lecture course from my good friend, Victor. Davis Hanson. All right, that wraps up today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. (music) Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower